Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 197. When we think about righteousness, we often think about being good enough for God, about how we need to be righteous, and we need to make ourselves righteous. We think about our performance and whether or not we measure up. But the righteousness of God is not about our performance. It's about God's character. And when we understand the righteousness of God, it changes everything. The righteousness of God is who God is. It's not something God does. And it's not something we can earn or achieve. And when we understand that, it changes everything. We don't have to perform for God. We don't have to earn his love or approval. We can simply rest in who he is. So today we're going to learn a bit more about what the righteousness of God is and how it changes our lives. We sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that we're the worst people on the face of the earth and that nobody does as many wrong things as we do. But Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every man, woman or child who was ever born or ever will be has a problem with sin. But the good news is that God has provided an answer to our dilemma, writes Joyce Meyer. When St. Augustine found the answer in 386, a clear light flooded his heart. Martin Luther found the answer and a few years later, the Reformation began in 1517. When John Wesley understood the answer in 1738, his heart was strangely warmed and the seeds of a revival began. In each case, their lives were radically changed through understanding the righteousness of God. It's a game changer. The moment anyone comes to understand this expression, it changes your life. It certainly changed mine. From Psalm 85 I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. God's answer gives you his peace. I grew up in an atmosphere of strife, writes Joyce Meyer, and that was all I ever knew. I had to learn an entirely new way of living. Now I'm addicted to peace. As soon as my peace disappears, I ask myself how I lost it and start looking for ways to get it back. God has promised peace to his people. This does not necessarily mean outward peace. The pressures, difficulties, trials, battles and busyness may not disappear. But in all this, God has promised to give you his peace. This peace comes from listening to what God the Lord says. Peace is very closely connected with righteousness. The psalmist says righteousness and peace kiss each other. In the same way that love and faithfulness go together, so do righteousness and peace. Peace comes from living in a right relationship with God. God, thank you that you make it possible for me to walk in a right relationship with you and to enjoy the peace that follows. New Testament from Romans 3 What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, There is no one righteous, not even one. 
Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God's answer is a gift you receive. We long for peace. We long to be in a right relationship with God and with other people. How do you receive this righteousness from God? Paul continues his argument that no one is righteous on their own. There's nobody living right, not even one. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all wandered down blind alleys. Righteousness is the way to peace, but the reality is that the way of peace they do not know. Paul concludes his argument in this section. And it's clear enough, isn't it, that we're sinners, every one of us, in the same sinking boat with everybody else. The two little words that follow are of huge significance. But now. Having set out the problem, Paul now moves on to describe God's game-changing answer, a righteousness from God. This righteousness from God cannot be achieved through the law because no one apart from Jesus has ever kept the entire law. The Old Testament, the law and the prophets testifies about this and points towards God's answer. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This righteousness from God cannot be earned. It is a pure gift that you receive through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift to all who believe. Paul then uses three images to describe what Jesus' death on the cross has achieved. Each is like a facet of a diamond. Each image is connected with the others. First, the penalty of sin has been paid. Justification is an expression from the law court. We are justified freely by his grace. God is a just judge. He could not ignore our guilt. He came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and me. In his forbearance, he's left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. He paid the penalty himself. You are justified freely by his grace. Grace means undeserved love. It's free. There is no merit on our part. You cannot earn it. It's a gift. Therefore, there's no room for boasting. Through his death on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our every wrong action, word and thought. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you are justified. You have nothing to fear. The penalty has been paid. You've received the gift of righteousness from God. Second, the power of sin has been broken. 
The second image Paul uses comes from the marketplace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Debt was a problem in the ancient world as well. If someone had serious debts, they might be forced to sell themselves into slavery in order to pay them off. Suppose a person was standing in the marketplace offering themselves as a slave. Someone might have pity and pay the amount they owe, then let the person they paid for go free. In doing so, they would be redeeming them and paying a ransom price. In a similar way for us, redemption came by Jesus Christ. Your sins are like a debt that stands against you. Jesus, by his death on the cross, paid the ransom price. In this way, you are set free to have a relationship with God. Your relationship is restored. You receive a righteousness from God. Third, the pollution of sin has been removed. Paul's third image in this passage comes from the temple. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. In the Old Testament, very detailed laws were laid down regarding how sin should be dealt with. There was a whole sacrificial system that demonstrated the seriousness of sin and the need for cleansing from it, as sin was passed from the sinner to the animal which was then killed. But it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The old sacrificial system was only a shadow of what was to come. The reality came with the sacrifice of Jesus. Only the blood of Christ, the once-for-all sacrifice of atonement, can wash away your sin and remove its pollution. This is because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He alone lived a perfect life. Through his blood, you receive God's game-changing answer, a righteousness from God. Lord, how can I ever thank you enough for the gift of the righteousness from God by faith in Jesus? Thank you that as a result of your righteousness, I can receive peace, forgiveness, freedom, and cleansing through the blood of Jesus. Old Testament from Amos 3 and 4 Hear this word, people of Israel. The word the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Proclaim to the fortresses of Ashdod and to the fortresses of Egypt. Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria. See the great unrest within her and the oppression among her people. They do not know how to do right, declares the Lord, who store up in their fortresses what they have plundered and looted. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. An enemy will overrun your land, pull down your strongholds, and plunder your fortresses. I gave you empty stomachs in every city, and lack of bread in every town. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. God's answer challenges us to right living. Paul tells us that God's game-changing answer, a righteousness from God, is something about which the law and the prophets testify. Amos is one of those prophets. As Amos turned to speak the word of the Lord against Israel, we see God's desire for righteousness in that all their sins are punished. The Lord said, Out of all the families on earth I picked you, therefore because of your special calling 
I'm holding you responsible for all your sins. The people are condemned in what is almost a law court. Hear this and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. It's as if God calls witnesses to testify against his own people. You women, mean to the poor, cruel to the down and out, indolent and pampered, you demand of your husbands, bring us a tall, cool drink. They're condemned for their superficiality, self-centered indulgent, and their treatment of the poor and needy. Over and over again, God speaks to his people in an attempt to draw them back to him. The fact is, God the Master does nothing without first telling his prophets the whole story. Yet he declares, you've not returned to me. When we understand this Old Testament background, it makes it all the more staggering that the Apostle Paul writes, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. God's game changer is that Jesus has paid the penalty for you. You are righteous in God's eyes. You can approach him with confidence today. Speak to him as your loving father and know his peace deep in your heart. Lord, thank you that your desire is always that we return to you and walk in a right relationship with you. Thank you that you have now made that possible through Jesus. Pepper adds, In Amos 4, verse 9, God says, Many times I have struck your gardens and vineyards. I have struck them with blight and mildew. Locusts divide your fig and olive trees, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. In our garden, the rose has black fly, the snails have eaten the new shoots, and the weeds have taken over. Either I need to repent more or work harder in the garden. Let's take some time to reflect on what God has been saying to us today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you make me righteous. Thank you that you died on a cross for me and took all of my sin and made me clean. I'm sorry for where I've thought that I needed to perform for you or measure up to your standards. But Lord, I'm also sorry for where I've gone away from your paths. Help me today to know that I'm good enough for you. That all you want is me, as me. I don't need to do anything, Lord. Help me to know that. Help me to know that you are so loving. That I don't need to earn your love or approval. But I can simply rest in you. Fill my heart with your love today, Lord. Help me to know who you are. I pray all this in your name. Amen.